In part 1, I describe the prophet Ezekiel, his persona, and his signs given as instructed by God as key indicators for events to come in our current last days time period. Ezekiel's signs, specifically, were those signaling an end times, as well as in his current day, siege, captivity and invasion to come onto Judah, the country of Israel. In prophetically addressing today's entire house of Israel, his signs are also a warning for punishment that will soon come upon the nation of Babylon U.S. In terms of prophecy for our current last day's time period, I also mentioned in part 1 how the central theme of the prophet Ezekiel's message can be summarized as follows. God will be taking back his land and his inheritance for a coming heavenly kingdom, and will destroy the counterfeit kingdom constructed by those who have rebelled against him and have persecuted his remnant people. In this passage, part 2, I will address the factors of Ezekiel's message related to the wickedness behind the construction and the maintenance of the Antichrist Chaldean counterfeit kingdom as well as some of the key players who are involved. As such, major sections in this passage include The House of Israel's Wickedness God's Demolition of the House of Israel's Antichrist Chaldean Family I will address each of these topics in its separate section below. Although I have addressed pieces of this storyline already on this site, the content and themes herein are those that are specific to what the prophet Ezekiel tells us, albeit with some additional supporting scripture as well. As in part 1, it is important to re-emphasize that God's prophetic messages through Ezekiel to the people of the entire house of Israel have very significant meaning for those in Babylon U.S. In addition to the country of Israel itself. This is not to discount the worldwide house of Israel. But if you wonder why I focus so intently on the countries of Israel and Babylon U.S., here is what Jacob's the house of Israel's own enemy, the children of Esau, say through Ezekiel. Because thou hast said, These two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess it, whereas the Lord was there. Easy 35:10. This represents the counterfeit kingdom mentality of God's enemies in attempting to be their own gods in charge of their own kingdom, especially in these locations where the Lord and his inheritance of people, house of Israel, are slash will be. The house of Israel's wickedness. The wickedness of those in the house of Israel, overall, in the last days has been well documented on this site. I have described how this wickedness has been organized and institutionalized among many of God's people because they have chosen to serve other gods. This means that many have made secret oaths and pledges to the Antichrist Chaldeans who, in turn, happily accept them and proceed to hold them hostage and captive in their transgressions. The Chaldeans continue to offer them many delicacies of the world as a reward in return for their souls. These are all of the things Satan offered to Jesus. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. Matt 4-9. Many in our current day have sold out and taken up Satan on his offer. What cannot be understated when considering God's message through Ezekiel is the involvement of the house of Israel's own leaders, prophets, priests, elders, prophetesses, etc. in their rebellion against the God of Israel, Jesus Christ, and their collective abominations against him. In Ezekiel's day, God called out this corruption as a den of robbers in his temple and then, of course, Jesus when he came identified the same corruption and used the same term when he overturned the tables of the money changers in the temple. Jesus' act had great meaning beyond just his current time and situation. You will recall that the end-time servant Jacob earns his redemption by turning his enemies' altars into chalkstone. Ezekiel's Visions of the House of Israel's Wickedness in Ezekiel's visions, God showed him the blasphemous acts of the last days ancient, great people and mountains of Israel. These are likely the ones possessing key bloodlines that have been traced to God's covenant with his land and people. Recall that the Antichrist Chaldeans are very particular about following certain bloodlines and families over time. 
Recall also that God's hypocritical people blaspheme Him even in His own temple. God showed Ezekiel around His temple in His visions. He first brought Ezekiel to the inner gate, looking north, and to the image of jealousy, i.e. that provokes God to jealousy, in the north gate likely an image of Baal. God then showed Ezekiel additional abominations in the temple. To view these, Ezekiel had to dig in the wall. The meaning of going to the other side of this wall was to view these abominations that take place in secret, in the chambers of imagery. Only those who have taken oaths to worship foreign, false gods are those who have the privilege to practice their abominations in these places. When Ezekiel went through the wall, he commented. So I went in and saw, and behold every form of creeping things, and abominable beasts, and all the idols of the house of Israel, portrayed upon the wall roundabout. Easy 8:10. Keep in mind that Ezekiel's prophetic visions such as this apply to today's last day's time period. God then also showed Ezekiel a vision of women in the gate of the temple weeping for Tammuz, a fertility goddess, this was followed by another vision of twenty-five men with their backs to the temple an obvious sign of blasphemy facing east and worshipping the sun. Vain Visions Many times in the book of Ezekiel God points to vain visions and lying divinations among those in the house of Israel, especially among its prophets and priests. Some of these apply to visions of blasphemy given above. Otherwise, many other vain visions and lying divinations are prophesied to be among God's house of Israel in these end times. These abominations are kept secret by those who practice them, but God spoke through Ezekiel as follows. And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me, and said unto me, Speak, thus saith the Lord, thus have ye said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them. Easy 11-5. Unwise, evil, blasphemous prophets and priests believe that they can actually hide from God Himself. Recall from part 1 that Ezekiel performs signs for the house of Israel to demonstrate that God is their only true sovereign Lord, and that a prophet, Ezekiel, has been among them. Ezekiel does this because Israel's priests, who we know always seek signs, 1 Cor 1 reject God's words spoken through him just as they rejected Jeremiah's words. These are the prophets who claim that visions like those of Ezekiel are those that are still for times that are afar off, thereby giving false hope to the people who seek their guidance. They see visions of peace when there is no peace. God tells Ezekiel. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, The Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them, and they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Easy 13-6. Son of man, what is this proverb you have in the land of Israel, the days go by and every vision comes to nothing apostrophe question mark say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I am going to put an end to this proverb, and they will no longer quote it in Israel. Say to them, the days are near when every vision will be fulfilled. Easy 1222-23. Furthermore, these modern-day prophets try to plaster or whitewash holes that are discovered in their secretive wall of iniquity and continue to try and provide cover for their Chaldean partners' atrocities that will soon begin to become known to the world. God writes off these prophets who pervert His words and see lying divinations as follows. And mine hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity, and that divine lies, they shall not be in the assembly of my people, neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel, neither shall they enter into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord God. Easy 13-9. God also makes a point to call out these prophets' counterparts, false prophetesses, who prophesy out of their own heart and conspire with the house of Israel's Chaldean lies, fraud and cover-ups of its iniquities and sins. These are witches and sorcerers practicing enchantments and magic, and profaning God in the process. They are described as those who hunt for souls. God tells them. Therefore ye shall see no more vanity, nor divine divinations, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Easy 1323.
these witches are a part of the Antichrist kingdom upholding the oppressive wall, representing the dark kingdom, that God will tear down and destroy to free His people. God says, the wall shall fall, easy 1311. This will also be the same fate for key harlots, addressed in a section below, in the Antichrist Chaldean kingdom who commit egregious abominations and make abominable images as part of their Egyptian Assyrian Chaldean foreign god worship. Vain Visions of Last Days Jacob Judah Remnant Members Additionally, it is important to consider vain visions and images of abominations described by Ezekiel, specifically as they apply to God's last days righteous Jacob Judah Remnant. I have discussed this persecuted remnant at length on this site, whom the Chaldeans have tracked and set up in their ongoing war against this small flock who will ultimately be known as God's holy, royal, righteous inheritance in His kingdom. We have indicators in Scripture that the evil house of Israel and other Chaldean kings and nations see vain images of these remnant people that pollute and mock them. In speaking about Israel's own bad shepherds who do not care about their own people, God says, My flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. Easy 34-7. We are told in a couple places how the Chaldeans serve themselves of, or are served by, the end times Jacob Judah remnant people. We are told. For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck, and will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him, Jacob. Jer 30-8. For many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of them also. Jer 25-14. Scripture also says that these occult leaders are such that their eyes desire to gloat on Zion. In addressing both the daughter of Zion and the daughter of Jerusalem, God says, Thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things for thee, and they have not discovered thine iniquity, to turn away thy captivity, but have seen for thee false burdens and causes of banishment. Lem 2:14. In part, because of false images and vain stories, these daughters of God's remnant people become taunted, harassed and persecuted by the Antichrist Chaldeans. On this site, I have described in detail these ancient Chaldean practices used by their father, the devil the accuser. The following scripture of God speaking to Ezekiel appears to address the slander and mocking of God's last day small flock remnant. As for the beauty of his ornament, he set it in majesty, but they made the images of their abominations and of their detestable things therein, therefore have I set it far from them. Easy 720. Finally, recall also how the servant mentioned in the well-known Isaiah, ch. 53, story could also apply to an end-times figure of our day. The kinds of vain visions mentioned in this story could apply to our end-times Jacob figure and his being rejected, smitten, acquainted with grief, etc. relating to vain visions, Scripture says about God's servant in this part of Isaiah. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Is 52:14. Note, again, here, taking nothing away from Jesus' death 2,000 years ago because he came as God and suffered tremendous persecution. And the Isaiah, ch. 53, story is directly attributed to Jesus in the book of Matthew, 8:17. But there are many servant-like aspects in the Isaiah, CHS. 52-53, passage that also appear to apply to an end-time servant, such as Jacob, thus, there is a possible double fulfillment of this prophecy. The Sign of Harlotry. God firmly instructs Ezekiel, son of man, to testify about his observations of Jerusalem's harlotry and abominations. This is done with God's observations about two of his children, i.e. God says, they were mine, in particular, who are, symbolic, sisters and whom God tells Ezekiel are whores and harlots. In our end times context, these are real women who will ultimately become part of God's family after they receive their due punishment, 
followed by grace and salvation in Jesus Christ when they return to Him. In the meantime, they are prophetically representative and symbolic of today's Jerusalem, country of Israel, and Babylon U.S. As a whole. This is somewhat similar to Ezekiel in terms of end-time signs that he gives. In fact, the two primary sisters representing Samaria and Jerusalem, older and younger, respectively, appear to reside in last days Babylon Chaldea U.S., just as the last days Ezekiel and the Jacob Judah remnant do. These sisters could even be part of God's small remnant flock. For our purposes, it is easiest to focus on just one sister, named Aholibah, who is the worst case of abomination, yet still representative of her sisters as ones who should be part of God's family, but who instead are serving other, Antichrist Chaldean gods. Aholibah represents Jerusalem and her name means that the temple is in her. This is likely the daughter of Zion. She likely has a covenant bloodline, possibly even one of Judah royalty, but is representative of today's mingled, speckled inheritance people of God because we are told that her parents are Canaanites. Hers is again a picture of Jerusalem slash country of Israel, as a whole, in that Jerusalem originally arose from God's people of mingled bloodlines with various Canaanite tribes. This, of course, was against God's commands. In an attempt to concisely describe the profile of a holy bah, we learn that she has rejected God, rejected her husband, likely a royal Judah companion or the Lord himself, see above gone forth as part of a Chaldean kingdom, underground family, among the Gentiles. Multiplied, developed a fiefdom and waxed great as an occult-based Chaldean queen. Defiled herself with foreign gods, idols, images, etc. committed whoredoms and lewdness. Caused sons and daughters, likely bloodline or ancient tribe member princes slash princesses, to be sacrificed and passed through the fire. Has the blood of innocence on her hands engaged and interacted with powerful Egyptian-slash-Assyrian-slash-Babylonian rulers and princes. The above attributes are simply a picture of an antichrist called Ian Mafia, organized crime family queen, she is a real-life biblical figure living in our current day. Scripture tells us that she has succeeded to royalty, easy 1613. She is a Jezebel-like figure in today's Babylon U.S.-slash Northern Kingdom of Israel. As an accurate picture of what I have previously described happens to Israel-slash-Jerusalem, she has been set up and framed by the Chaldeans. She finds when they start bringing trouble onto her that all of her lovers hate her, have traded her out, and deserted her. Zion says, they deceived me. God says that Zion's whoredoms and lewdness will be uncovered. She then comes under siege and a mob attack likely including Chaldean tactics of a very severe psychological operation against her that includes scorning, taunting, mocking, etc. Again, here, Zion Aholibah is a picture of the country of Israel and Babylon U.S., both of which will experience a siege and subsequent attack, only a larger scale variety that is military-based. Reconciliation with God In laments and prayers that are David and Jeremiah-like, the daughter of Zion appeals to God. She recognizes and repents of her transgressions. God says in Scripture that His anger will cease from her and that He will end her captivity and will ultimately accept her by covenant. This is a picture of a sovereign God keeping His promises to His people and of the perfect grace received through Jesus Christ for those who call on Him. This also reminds of the short parable, two debtors, Jesus gave with the meaning of the one who is forgiven the most will be the one who is most appreciative. We are told that God Himself will make atonement for Zion, and that she will be ashamed and confounded at that time. Recall that the daughter of Zion is a final compilation of many biblical figures and their signs and lessons in Scripture. She is at least one figure who represents, the prodigal child, the one lost sheep, the lost coin, the woman caught in adultery, etc. Perhaps she is saved to fulfill Jesus' words to his father again in the end days, 
I have lost none that you gave me, Jan 6 Also, Jesus' following words about himself, the Son of Man, may apply again in these end times, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost, Luke 19:10. A holy boss slash science story is also likely a reason why God makes a point to tell Ezekiel, ch. 18, about those who are unrighteous but then turn back will be saved, but those who have previously been righteous but then become unrighteous, or fall away, will not. God summarizes to Ezekiel, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and compassion on whom I will have compassion, x 33-9. God's demolition of the house of Israel's Antichrist Chaldean family. A key aspect of a holy boss story above is her membership and queen status as part of an Antichrist Chaldean family. These are modern-day, occult-based fiefdoms and mini-empires that exist across borders, i.e. international. Obviously, today's digital communications networks support and expedite this underground world. This international cabal has constructed their own kingdom in which Aholiba, daughter of Zion, as shown above has been a queen goddess, as you may know, female goddess figures have very prominent roles in Egyptian Babylonian mysticism. These kinds of worldwide families in aggregate will naturally support the coming Antichrist and his system because he will come directly out of this system and will speak their same strange language and use their same strange symbolism. As such, all Chaldean fiefdoms will align under one thing, they are Antichrist, they are on Satan's side in the spiritual kingdom war. In this war, being on Satan's side in these last days also means being aligned against Christ's holy, righteous remnant along with participation in the persecution of these people. So, a holy Ba, daughter of Zion, as a Chaldean kingdom queen is aligned against her own remnant people. She is on the wrong side of today's spiritual kingdom war. Scripture says that along with forgetting about God, she becomes cruel and also forgets her children. Along with Israel's wicked princes and rulers, we are told in Scripture that she has laid a heavy yoke upon the ancient, is 47-6. God's Demolition of the Daughter of Zion's Family Aholibaz, daughter of Zion's evil Chaldean kingdom is going to be destroyed by God, just as the whole house of Israel is going to experience his punishment. This kingdom represents the wall of the daughter of Zion. When God says that the foundations of the wall will be discovered, easy 13 14, he is likely referring to this underground kingdom's grand mob boss leaders and powerful rulers of Zion. We are told. The Lord hath purposed to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion, he hath stretched out a line, he hath not withdrawn his hand from destroying. Lem 2-8. Further indications of God destroying the daughter of Zion's Chaldean kingdom can be found in the book of Lamentations, as spoken by the daughter of Zion herself who finds no help from all of her kingdom friends when trouble comes. This trouble is described in Scripture as an evil and mischief that comes upon her that cannot be put off. In terms of her occult kingdom, we are told God has destroyed and broken her bars. The following Scriptures show the demolition of her kingdom and crime family. And I will set my jealousy against thee, and they shall deal furiously with thee, they shall take away thy nose and thine ears, and thy remnant shall fall by the sword, they shall take thy sons and thy daughters, and thy residue shall be devoured by the fire. Easy 23-25. The Lord hath trodden underfoot all my mighty men in the midst of me, he hath called an assembly against me to crush my young men, the Lord hath trodden the virgin, the daughter of Judah, as in a winepress. Lamb 1:15. The Lord was as an enemy, he hath swallowed up Israel, he hath swallowed up all her palaces, he hath destroyed his strongholds, and hath increased in the daughter of Judah mourning and lamentation. Lem 2-5. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment and one day, the loss of children, and widowhood, they shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries, and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. Is 47-9. Scripture ultimately tells us that Zion's gates are desolate, 
and that her princes become like deer that find no pasture, Lamb 1-6. Her kings and princes are among the Gentiles and the law is no more. God tells her, There is no throne, is 47-1, and, For thou shalt no more be called, the Lady of Kingdoms, is 47-5. God's Grace. But in God's grace, as described herein and in my previous passages about her, a holy bod daughter of Zion is going to receive a new kingdom. She will go from utter desolation, despair and abandonment to looking up and asking, who are these? When she sees her heavenly family. Thus, she will be a personal representation of the theme in the book of Ezekiel that shows that God will tear down the current, corrupt world kingdom and then re-establish His own kingdom. When she sees her new inheritance, God is going to bring the branch of her other true family that she has oppressed and persecuted alongside of her, both to her amazement and to her shame. When I shall bring again their captivity, the captivity of Sodom and her daughters, and the captivity of Samaria and her daughters, then will I bring again the captivity of thy captives in the midst of them, that thou mayest bear thine own shame, and mayest be confounded in all that thou hast done, in that thou art a comfort unto them. Easy 1653-54. Just like that of a holy bod daughter of Zion, I have previously described both the country and house of Israel's shame that will be revealed to the world. I won't redress that here, but rather, from the stories and words given through Ezekiel, I will address below the unique aspects of God's destruction of what exists as a secretive, underground Chaldean kingdom. The tearing down of this counterfeit kingdom represents the destruction of a bad, corrupt vine of his God's own people. Note, you will find that Bible prophecy teachers, pastors, priests, etc. do not address this topic due to lack of understanding, blindness, or being intentionally deceiving members of the Chaldean themselves. I personally believe that the latter reason is most likely. A wicked vine the house of Israel's Chaldean family leadership. As a Chaldean counterfeit kingdom queen, the daughter of Zion discussed above is aligned with those who have important bloodlines, including princes, rulers, sister princesses, etc., but who are enemies of God Jesus Christ. While in their daily lives they represent people in very powerful leadership positions generally held in high regard, these are all engaged in the worst kinds of wickedness and criminal activity in secret. This wicked vine of God's people begins at the top. In fact, we are told that God's sword will be upon all the princes of Israel. Recall in part 1 Ezekiel's sign of Israel's prince attempting to escape under the wall when trouble comes, and that he will be caught and brought to Babylon U.S. At a time when God spreads his net over him. This will be after he traded out the king of Babylon and went to Egypt, Pharaoh, the Assyrian, for help, thereby betraying God and what was to be a peace agreement for his people. I will address the Assyrian and his kingdom more in part 3 of this series. We are also told at this time that this Israeli prince's troops will be scattered, likely followed by the sword. These are the ones about whom it is said, every one were in thee to their power to shed blood, easy 22-6. These will be this prince's underground Chaldean Mafia network partners who were also leaders in some form in the country of Israel. So God's policy of returning the favor for their wickedness applies again here. God tells Ezekiel about these leaders in the last days. Cry and howl, son of man, for it shall be upon my people, it shall be upon all the princes of Israel, terrors by reason of the sword shall be upon my people, smite therefore upon thy thigh. Easy 21-12. And thou, profane wicked prince of Israel, whose day is come, when iniquity shall have an end. Easy 21-25. When this event happens, this will be a major, worldwide news story. These princes and priests are likely highly recognizable leaders in the world, especially within the country of Israel, and include great men. They are those who enter into their secret chambers as members of the underground, secret Chaldean royal family of which Aholibah, daughter of Zion has been their queen figure. 
Thus, they commit all of the abominations and blasphemous acts against Jesus Christ aforementioned in this passage. Wicked house of Israel Chaldean leaders aligned against God's Jacob Judah remnant. We just saw above that the wicked house of Israel's Antichrist Chaldeans plan all along was to turn on the holy by the daughter of Zion herself after using her in a mocking, counterfeit queen role. This is due to the Chaldeans' ongoing war against her bloodline. We see in Scripture that when she seeks help from the fickle house of Israel's prophets and priests, they cannot be found. She finds herself to be another example of a victim among God's persecuted small flock remnant. God addresses the house of Israel's corrupt prophets and priests who assist in persecuting his inheritance as follows. Seemeth it a small thing unto you to have eaten up the good pasture, but ye must tread down with your feet the residue of your pastures? And to have drunk of the deep waters, but ye must foul the residue with your feet? And as for my flock, they eat that which ye have trodden with your feet, and they drink that which ye have fouled with your feet. Easy. 34 19 this is a result of God's shepherds deliberately scattering His sheep among the Gentiles to be persecuted and oppressed. We know some have even been sold in this long-standing war. These are Jesus' lost sheep of our current day who I will discuss in Part 3 how Jesus Himself will virtually deliver them personally. We are given some additional examples of the house of Israel's corrupt Chaldean leaders being aligned against God's Jacob Judah remnant. These mountains of Israel are the corrupt ones in the house of Israel who include aforementioned rulers, prophets, elders, modern-day Sanhedrin-slash-Pharisee types and their powerful underground army and network that is in place in these end times and conspires against their own righteous Jacob Judah remnant people. The following statement from God speaking against the mountains of Israel might be readily attributed to end times Jacob and God's small flock remnant. Thus saith the Lord God, because the enemy hath said against you, Aha! Even the ancient high places are ours in possession, therefore prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord God, because they have made you desolate, and swallowed you up on every side, that ye might be a possession unto the residue of the heathen, and ye are taken up in the lips of talkers, and are an infamy of the people. Easy 36-2-3. Especially these powers that be in the country of Israel itself, whom I have previously observed as arrogant and entitled, hardly recognize God's holy remnant people in these last days. This is represented again through Ezekiel's words as follows. Son of man, thy brethren, even thy brethren, the men of thy kindred, and all the house of Israel holy, are they unto whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Get you far from the Lord, unto us is this land given in possession. Ezy 11:15. Son of man, they that inhabit those wastes of the land of Israel speak, saying, Abraham was one, and he inherited the land, but we are many, the land is given us for inheritance. Easy 33:24. The arrogance of the house of Israel's powerful men and leaders is especially demonstrated in the latter scripture above, to which God responds through Ezekiel about their ironic assumption of inheritance in the face of all of the iniquities that they commit. Remember, as a Chaldean-infested society, the corrupt house of Israel simply desire to be their own gods. Ironically, at some point, these will be the same hypocrites who will more officially, shamefully cooperate with their own enemies to divide God's land, and likely God's people, Judah remnant, and inheritance through a phony peace covenant they make. They are rebellious. Is it any surprise that God points to Edom, i.e. Esau, as the people whom they are involved with in dividing his land in the last days? Easy 36-5. Parables and signs through Ezekiel of the coming destruction of Israel's wicked vine. Of course it follows that God's people in the land who take it upon themselves to divide his inheritance and persecute Jesus Christ's flock do not know, and therefore do not honor, their Messiah Jesus Christ. These entitled people complain when God brings His just punishment, again, because they believe that they are their own, entitled gods. Remember Jesus said the following when He came.
the world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. JN 7-7. God essentially said the same thing prophetically through Ezekiel hundreds of years before His Son, Jesus, spoke the words above. It is sharpened to make a sore slaughter, it is furbished that it may glitter, should we then make mirth? It contemneth the rod of my son, as every tree. Easy 21:10. God's comment here is a clear indication of the Antichrist spirit within God's evil remnant vine and forest of his people in these last days. Speaking of the analogy to, or symbol of, wood and trees, this theme is again used in the book of Ezekiel in the context of Ezekiel giving signs related to this theme. For the house of Israel's people at large, the parable of the forest fire, easy ch. 20, that devours from south to north represents an evil affliction that comes onto the whole land and all of its people and is likely very similar to the affliction that comes onto the daughter of Zion. It is likely a Chaldean-based purging fire of persecution that comes onto people on an individual level. Similarly, the parable of the vine tree, easy. Ch. 15 discusses how those in the house of Israel will be going from one fire to another in a figurative blaze that devours all wood among them due to their trespass against the Lord. Meanwhile, we see similar meaning applied for how the house of Israel's, Chaldean occult, leaders will be punished in the last days as demonstrated through the parable of the withered vine and the parable of the two eagles in Ezekiel. Each of these is summarized below. Parable of the withered vine, easy ch. 19. This parable succinctly summarizes the storyline above of God's takedown of an evil, corrupt, counterfeit kingdom. This kingdom is represented by the mother, daughter of Zion, a vine in the bloodline, who at one point has strong scepters that bear rule, and a tree that has many branches, is fruitful, and planted by many waters. Then, this wicked Chaldean kingdom queen mother and her bloody, occult-based, royal kingdom is completely burned and torn down by God via a fire gone out of a rod of her branches, easy 1914. This is a rod of chastisement and correction. Could this branch-slash-rod be that of end times Jacob? Meanwhile, to continue the tree-slash-vine related analogies, this collapsed kingdom reminds us of the dry, cursed fig tree that Jesus said would never bear its fruit again. Parable of the Two Eagles, easy ch. 17. Both great eagles represent top branches that are taken from Lebanon cedars, representative of Jerusalem royalty through Solomon's temple, etc., and are planted in a land of trade and a city of merchants. Given this context in the book of Ezekiel, and our prophetic story overall on this site, I believe this to be Babylon U.S. One tree grows and flourishes, which reminds us of David's Psalm, 1-3, of a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Or, from elsewhere scripture this good tree could possibly represent, the good fig tree, the seed planted on good soil, Matt 13-8, or, the short story of the mustard seed that becomes a tree in which all of the birds come to nest in. This tree may represent end times Jacob, who raises up the tribes of Israel. The second tree, God calls rebellious and asks, shall it wither? The king of this Jerusalem offshoot family makes a covenant with the king of Babylon that would preserve their royal family under him, but instead their king rebelled and went to Egypt, Pharaoh the Assyrian. This represents a trading, or selling out to the Antichrist new world order system. Not surprisingly, God observes this action to be despising his oath and his covenant. This rebellious, treasonous kingdom and its particular house of Israel leadership vine that represents it will fall by the sword and its survivors will be scattered. This is likely representative of the dry, fig, tree that Jesus speaks about. Tilda. In conclusion, put simply, the Antichrist wickedness of the house of Israel becomes so bad in these last days that God has no choice but to destroy its underground, hidden kingdom that enslaves, persecutes and oppresses others worldwide. 
In part 3, I will address the larger, worldwide, Antichrist Chaldean Kingdom as it is described through Ezekiel, which is the one that both Babylon U.S. and the country of Israel attempt to run to for help in their troubles in the last days, albeit to no avail. This larger Chaldean, Kingdom of Babylon, will also eventually be brought down and overturned, since we know that those who inordinately punish God's people always suffer the same fate. So, what will be left? The good news will be the establishment of God's own inheritance and people in His land. I will also describe unique aspects of this event in part 3 as these are shown through Ezekiel's words. Grace and Peace. Lion's Lair, LL.